1: This is October 12th and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome into the Bruins beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great day, great week. Hopefully had a great marathon Monday, albeit that it was in October. Uh, But hopefully you guys enjoyed that or did whatever you had to do for that. Maybe enjoyed the long weekend as well. Uh, And what's great is the Bruins start this week. It's a game week. It's a game week. The Bruins play at the end of this week. So in honor of that, Connor Ryan and I, who was my guest on the show, Connor and I, uh previewed this season and we did it through your questions uh we did we i put out a tweet i got i think like a good amount of questions 10 or 11 maybe 12 questions um we grouped them together and there were a lot of topical things so it wasn't like you know we had to talk about other stuff and then get to those questions they were questions that i think a lot of people have um including us (laughs) so we answered them uh and we it was a great episode it was a fun episode i love doing season preview ones because we can go long and you guys want the season preview stuff. Everyone's excited for the start of a new season, you know, and then once the season gets going, that's when stuff uh, can be a little bit different, you know, you're, you're the, the bad storylines and such. But this was a fun episode, fun to get into. Uh, without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up?
0: Evan, doing well. How you doing?
1: I'm doing great, and you've been killing it everywhere. You've been covering Red Sox games, obviously at the Patriots last week, but you've been at the Red Sox home games. You were there for the crazy game three with the walk-off home run. You did a, you, you offered to buy uh, dunks for everybody on Twitter. How nice are you?
0: You know, I try to do something to lighten the mood. I think the the mood was a little bit dour going into the, the 12th, 13th inning, and what do you know, fire off that tweet. Get some good responses, some, some good uh, good interaction, good content, good vibes. Christian Vasquez, it's a home run like like 10 minutes later. So uh, it shows you, you know, as many people say, Twitter's a cesspool. Sometimes you can get some positives out of that. not saying I'm taking credit for it, but I kind of <laughs> am. So happy to, be, happy to be here, back to be, you know, covering hockey for a while. We don't know how game four is going down. I will not be a game four. So if they happen to lose, and you guys are listening to this, it might be my fault for not being there. So apologies in advance. And if I do win, then I'm inconsequential, which I'll take too.
1: Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned the aspect of like Twitter not being such a cesspool in those moments. It is true. I feel like when everyone's watching the same game and it's a big deal and everyone's kind of very invested in it, it's, it's kind of like we're all in it together in a way. You know, everyone's kind of just hanging out. Whereas it's more a cesspool in the other moments. Um, and also things went well in that situation. I imagine if yes. the Red Sox lost, it would be a very and then different And I, then, then I
0: fired off that tweet. Yeah, I would probably not be getting, uh, I would not, I'd be getting quite a few PG 13, uh, related, uh, responses, I think. Yeah,
1: it's funny. Not for the children. To, yeah, no, not for the children at all. It's funny. I had a tweet about Nick Pavetta and Patrice Bergeron both being number 37. And I actually got some Lightning fans replying to it, being like, "Bergeron sucks. He's overrated. What has he done?" And I was like, "Wait, there are people who like don't like Patrice Bergeron. Like, obviously, we know that people like hate Brad Marchand, and you know, people think different things about players. Ironically, Rask is the only Bruin who is the fans don't like more (laughs) than opposing fans. But to hear like Bergeron." you think Bergeron's overrated? Really? Yeah. I was just kind of. I feel shocked like that's that. like
0: I feel like that's like you know Yankees like that whole rivalry. Uh, it's not like Red Sox fans are going out of the way. You give him you'd boo him obviously because he's on the Yankees. But like people had beef with like Mariano Rivera, right? Like no. I feel like you, you know when I'm against him, like, oh shit, this guy's really good. Like i might yeah. not like it because you're on the Yankees, but like you're not like going after a guy.
1: No, the only Yankee was really A-Rod and some others along the way, your next wishers of the world. Um, and even with this Posada. Yankee- team, Yeah, Posada. With this Yankee team though, like Aaron Judge seems like a good dude. You know, he seems nice, not a bad guy. Um, but yeah, I, Bergeron's the epitome of like a good dude. You know, a great guy, a, a legend. Um, they overrated. I was like, what? Really? Like I, I try to, you know, I try to zoom out and I was just very surprised by that. But, Anyways, on this episode, the season begins, Connor. On Saturday, Bruins stars home opener. The Tyler Sagan reunion um, to open the season. What a world. Um, but they will open at TD Garden. And I figure Poke the Bear will kind of do our predictions on. You know, we'll do our leading goal score and MVP and what we think of certain things. But I wanted to get the people's questions. What were people wondering about? And actually, ironically enough, all of uh, the um, – I think we just both got the same tweet notification. Yeah, uh, I will let you look breaking at this. Breaking news. As I, I, I
0: will, maybe this is the breaking news we've always been looking for of the initial roster. The Bruins, roster the the Bruins have announced their initial roster, and is not on it.
1: He is not on it, unless it's a typo, but he is not on it.
0: It's like when they forgot. That should have been like the writing on the wall. Like they, poor, The poor Bruins forgot. Uh John Moore got John Moore. <laughs> I was like, oh Jesus Christ. Uh, oh, poor guy. As I, as I sort through this real quick, let me just make sure I'm not forgetting Jeg's Nika.
1: Well, he I will is, is not
0: on the initial roster. No.
1: He is not. Anton Bleed is on the initial roster. Uh, Curtis Lazar is an asterisk next to his name because injured reserve. Um and then we have Jakub Zaboral on here as well on D. So John Moore's on the on the roster. There's John Moore. So John Moore went through there waivers. They, they,
0: unless like, what if it was like they did the typo by accident and like now he's included, but.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, oh, oh been... we, have, we did. We meant to, we meant to write Erho back in nine and yeah. John Moore instead. Whoops. But um, as a
0: whole, I mean, yeah, no, no Suneco, which I'm sure people will be uh, less than thrilled about, but surprising. Not really. I think we saw the writing in no. the wall at that too.
1: No. So yeah, Carson Kuhlman's on this list as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't see any... I mean, yes, Zanik is the big one, obviously. Uh, but so anyways, that's the roster. I don't think there's anything crazy to react to. And we can react to certain things among the questions. Um, I just lost my tweet of all the, the questions. But anyways, they're all topical questions Um, of what uh matters and uh, things that are going to be big going into the season. By the way... We've always looked for breaking news on this podcast, drop in the middle, and that was some, that was like a five and a half out of ten on the breaking news. It wasn't a trade. It wasn't a a signing. It wasn't anybody hurt, you know, severely injured,
0: but it was legit. It was the roster for the season. So I'm sure, I'm sure that video was great of both of us just immediately going like, well, I was already
1: looking at Twitter. Yeah. I was looking at Twitter, and I saw that, and I was like, wait a second. I'm going to keep talking so he can look at it. Um, anyways, so we'll start with Mark Alred, Good friend Mark Alred over at Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Make sure to go listen to them. They are great. He asks, if the Charlie Coyle experiment fails on the second line and he's moved back to the third line, do you guys think the next man up should be a fast, creative player like Eric Howell, at least for a look-see? Thanks, gentlemen, and keep up the amazing work. Thank you, Mark. Um, I, You know That's an interesting point because I feel like we always consider Stanika to be the guy that would go Mm -hmm. in for, uh, for Coil if things don't work out. And I still think that's the case because I like Eric Hala on that third line. But Mark brings up a good point in the sense that, you know, if Coil is to go down to that third line, is he going to play the wing? Like, Mm -hmm. you're talking about Hala on the fourth line. Yeah. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think it's gonna be a different a couple of different factors that play into that if you're looking at uh what the right fit is. And if let's say Coil doesn't work out there what the next move is, I think the Bruins have to weigh one how Eric Hall is doing. If Eric Hall is down on the third line with this group that we didn't really know going into the preseason what kind of offensive production you're gonna get. If Eric Hall two weeks in has, you know, six, seven points at third line is playing very well, then you're like, all right, well, if he's playing well with Jake DeBrusque and Nick Felino, maybe he gets the first look up there. But that being said, I think maybe the the safer option, at least in the, the short term, is, I mean, as we already now know that Jack Sneak is not in the lineup, he's going to get his reps, top six reps down in Providence. And from what everything Bruce Cassidy has said between how impressed he was with Sneak's game preseason, you know, adhering to the smaller details, mentioning, especially I think the last couple practices, the fact that, um, as much as you could put Seneca on the fourth line, they want to one keep him in the middle into the envision him in a top nine role. So if you have an opening there and that two C spot or coil's not working out, at that point you just give Seneca a test run. Like he's got the high end skill that you put him with two guys in Taylor Hall and Craig Smith, you could get something there. If you want a guy to succeed, what better way to do that than put him on a platform where he's with two guys, especially a guy in Hall who can really be the driver of that line, right? Like, it's not like it's all incumbent on Jacksonica to generate that offense on his own. So, I think if Coyle gets bumped down, it'll depend on how Howla does in that spot, but uh, how he's doing in the third line, rather. But I would say it's Sonica that what better chance you have to at least see what you have, even if it's a three, four, or five game sample, than to put him in that spot and see if he can run with it. Because sooner or later, you got to find out what you have in a guy like him, right?
1: Yeah. And I also think if that coil experiment fails, my guess is you're not doing super hot in the standings either. Yes. Um, so I think, yeah, trying out Seneca on that, on that line makes sense. And again, if that fails, if he, after five or six games doesn't work, Hala probably is that next guy up. Another guy is Felino. Nick Foligno is another person who could see time, um, up on that line. Gets to me to my next question from John Simmons Jr. He says, how much of our season's success depends on Charlie Coyle guiding the second line. And I just kind of alluded to that, but it, I think a lot, actually, I don't think this is like a small issue. It's not like Jake Debruska on the third line, left wing spot. Like this is your top six. And this is Taylor Hall on your left and Craig Smith on your right. This is kind of replacing Krejci in a sense. Um, I think the expectations for Coyle are pretty high among everybody. I mean, I think we've kind of put it around 40 to 50 points, but in his career that's not been a very easily attainable thing um do you think that if they if they are going to make the playoffs can Charlie Coyle struggle
0: uh I don't think so unless Taylor Hall just goes you know sicko mode and becomes Bananas. the yeah, top play driver which who knows maybe he will because um and Taylor Hall looked very very good this preseason in terms of just generating offense of making it easy uh, controlling the puck uh there's only one game, obviously, that Coyle play with Hall, but they seem to be right off each other very well. We kind of alluded to this during our last podcast that maybe having a, a puck dominant winger, a great passer like Hall, um, with a guy like Coyle could get the most out of Coyle, where, you know, kind of like with Johansson when he was on that line with Coyle, where it opened up Coyle to kind of get to the net more, to, to score more goals, get more involved in the offense, which can get him going. So, um, but yeah, if Coyle doesn't work out there and you're, struggling to find a solution you kind of go down the rabbit hole and it starts a whole domino effect of all right are we then placing all of our hopes on Jack Tanika to be this guy who puts up 40 points which we don't know what we what they have in him it could work out but it's a lot of a lot to ask for a young player in that role like that you know is eric holly or 2c i don't think going into this year you're expecting him to be that right like that's not what a, a Stanley Cup caliber team is probably rolling out as a second line centerman is Arakawa. You know, no disrespect to him, but if you want to maximize the rest of the firepower you have, you have to imagine someone else. So, if Cole doesn't work out, does it doom the Bruins? No, but it makes it that much harder, right? Maybe you then have to go into the trade deadline and go fishing for a guy like uh Thomas Turtle, which we talked about it before. Makes plenty of sense, but. I'm sure the Bruins would rather all things being equal uh, not give up an absurd amount of assets, draft capital. Once again, for a guy like hurdle, if Coyle is playing with a 50, 60 point pace, right? Like every, Thomas is a great player with the Bruins off to have him. Yes. But I think the, 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 you know, vying for his services, the, the cost is going to be crazy. Cause I think there's going to be a lot of teams going after a top six guy of his caliber who's impending UFA. Like, Bruins could be right in the mix, but man, if they get him, that's going to be a, a haul of a return to get him. So, is it going to doom the Bruins if Coyle doesn't work out? Uh, no, but it's going to make it significantly hotter because you have to have another shooter drop, whether turtle or someone else.
1: Yeah, I, you, you know it's funny. I was reading uh, Monday, Frank Saravali has like 32 predictions for the season. They were wild predictions. A lot of them were like, "Whoa." Um, like, he had the Hurricanes in the Stanley Cup final and all this Bruins stuff. Bruins not making the
0: playoffs.
1: Yeah, Bruins not making the playoffs either. Um, But one thing he did have, and this is I agree with, Tom Hertl is going to be the number one trade target at the uh, deadline. So you're going to have a lot of teams vying for him. So as you said, going to be very expensive. So, yeah, I don't think that they are helped if uh, Charlie Coyle is not producing on that second line. Uh, Two questions on Derek Forbert. Uh, Bruins fan 93. Said, what's your opinion on Derek Forbert's preseason with McAvoy on the PK, etc.? And then Rafi Munoz said, uh, when Forbert was playing for the Flames, he was given the nickname Sugar by Rhett Warner on Calgary Sports Radio. My question is, can you keep the nickname for him in Boston? Well, I'll start with that
0: one. I don't know why he was called Sugar. Um maybe you know do you know it all? I, I can't say, no. I have not, I don't think anyone's asked him about that. Derek Forbert, uh uh, known as being a very good teammate uh talking with the media it's uh not a lot of uh doesn't wax poetic about some of the details of the game, so I don't know exactly where the, where the sugar comes from, but maybe it gets more for, you know more used to the media it gets on you know regular churn with guys maybe then we'll ask them but as to the origin of that, I have absolutely no idea yeah I don't
1: know i I don't know the reasoning maybe if I did i'd like it more I don't love that nickname. Um, just, it doesn't really, there's no point to it. Like if he did something funny, uh, with it, like if you, like Curtis Lazar, if you called him, um, well, he ate a hamburger off the ice, right? Yes. That's what it was. you yes. called him like hamburger or something that might make sense, but sugar, I don't, doesn't roll off the tongue. I feel like we do t- probably need to come up with a new nickname for Derek Forbert. Maybe his teammates call him like Forbes. Is, you know that's forward. what i think the
0: safe bet is yeah that's that,
1: a safe that is. that's a safe bet uh but yeah i don't i, I won't be keeping that up unless there's like i know the reason behind it then then i'll, we probably, can call do him, it. I'll
0: probably call him derek that's Ooh,
1: that's I'm a good point or yeah. like d you know because d is the first letter in derek but I, why would you <laughs> hey d hey d like, what who are you um who are you yeah um <laughs> you, who, who all right, so back to uh, Bruins uh fan 93s question. What's your opinion on Derek Forbert's preseason? I didn't mind it. I thought he was good, you know, fit in well. Uh, I think like Forbert's one of those guys who you almost don't want to notice. Um, You know, he used to – this is a tough comparison because he he's nowhere near as good as Forbert, but Jakob Savoral, mm-hmm. he used to say last year, you know, if he can be like a lineman, you just don't – you know, if you don't notice him, it's a good thing. I feel like Forbert's game is you don't want to notice him. And I noticed him for some good things for sure, but – he was good defensively uh, in those preseason games. He looked to fit in well. What do you think? What, what did you think of his game?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he it was as advertised as what he is, and I think you have to keep expectations in check, which I think Bruins are doing. I don't think people think this guy is going to slot in with, you know, Charlie McAvoy to open the air, he's going to be like this Dennis Seidenberg-like shutdown guy that was the perfect role, you know, on the top pairing. I don't think, you know, people are expecting that. Um, I don't think probably Bruins fans still have a full barometer or, or gauge of what kind of player he is, but again, as advertised as to what, what he brings to this group, uh, a shutdown, you know, a shutdown presence, a guy who can help out on the PK, him and Kahlo together, you know, had some good, some bad. Um, I think there's gonna be some patience prescribed for a guy like him, especially I think going from I think he was more man to man, I want to say in, uh, Winnipeg. And, you know, for some players, you know, I think John Moore talked about this when he first joined the Bruins. There's some adjustment to get used to the Bruins system, which is more zone. So, uh, obviously need to have some, some patience there to see how he adjusts. But, um, no, he's been solid for, for what he is. Again, he's not going to be a flashy guy, as you said. Um, is he going to be with Coil all year? Uh, not Coil, McAvoy all year round. Um, yeah, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be wild. Forbort on the left wing. <laughs> Something would have to go drastically wrong if if Derek Fulbert was on the uh, on the second line. But um, like
1: Hunter Clifton plays on the fourth line.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, we'll get we'll get those probably like late, probably a month into the season. Um, but you you look at the fact that um, you know how Fulbert fits in. Is he going to be with McAvoy the whole year? Probably not. I still think that's going to be a situational thing where it's going to be, you know, protecting a lead. He'll be with McAvoy. But then if, you know, the Bruins are chasing the game or what have you, then you have a lot of Grizzlies. So I think it's going to be pretty fluid in that regard. So we'll see how, let's say, Fulbert is with Clifton, what what have you. We'll see how that, you know, ha, what plays out from that. But let's, let's be frank. If you're with Charlie McAvoy, you're probably going to have a pretty good pair.
1: Oh yeah. No, and that's why I think, again, I think he can hold his own on that, uh, pairing. And it's going to be interesting to see how those two do for 10, 15 games at a time, um, to begin the year. It's sort of a safe bet about Derek Forbert, you know, potentially being a good, uh, fit for Charlie McAvoy. Uh, but if we're really talking about safe bets, bet online, back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season and basketball is coming up. Hockey's coming up if you're feeling like, hey, I think the Brewers are going to make the playoffs. Go there now. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this year. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football and basketball and hockey. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code CLNS50 receive your bonus from football basketball boxing right to your favorite vegas casino games and hockey do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts again promo code clns50 okay back to some questions uh andrew taverna Always a, a great guy. Could follow on Twitter um, and and uh, does great work uh, with Mark over at uh, blackandgoldhockeypod.com. Uh, serious question. Do the Bruins have the solution to their secondary scoring issues with the additions of the bottom six? Other serious question. Does Connor ever go to a Dunks and carve his name with a heart
0: around it into their sign? I've seen you do that many times. Yeah, I don't know how, I don't know how Andrew found out about that actually. I guess the secret's out. I guess people have been reporting it now. I, I don't even know that you knew that. So, cause I'll have to shop or I'll have to find some new Duncan's to frequent so I don't get called out for it. But what are you going to do? I love Duncan. What what, it's, what, 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 what uh, am I to do? What am I to do yeah, Adam, as I walk in? Nothing you can do. You're just or a you coffee with car- like a regular person. No, come on.
1: Can't do that. Can I go with the stick, you know, and like really dig it in there? Uh Winnie underscore 1924 also asked some, something similar. Do you think that the arrivals uh, – or do you think that with the arrivals this season, the Bruins have alleviated the offensive problem of the third and fourth line? So I'll answer them together. Um, I think yes. I do. I think that's what they spent the money on in free agency. And when you really boil it down, that's what free agency is for. Free agency is not to find your – future number one or number two center it's not to find the pillar of your organization it's to load up on depth that's like i think what free agencies become in every sport i mean we can go down baseball football basketball and uh hockey like this that's you get depth nick Felino, thomas nosek eric Halla. like those are half of your bottom six yeah i i think 100 percent. and you you know you i think that you know when you have those guys uh, you're going to see a lot better of a fourth line than you had last year for sure. And you're going to see a lot better of a third line. Cause you also have, you know, you have the presence of Felino and Hala with DeBrusque who this is last chance really. So yeah, I absolutely think that when it comes to bottom six scoring, I think it's going to be a, a, a totally different picture than it was last year.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's encouraging. I think especially that third line, the early returns look very good. I think people have been very impressed by Eric Hala and uh, you know, Good two-way player, uh, the pace he's been playing with, which I think really benefits DeBrusque. I think is going to be huge for, you know, getting Debrus to bounce back from last season. Um, he's been solid. Felino, I don't think he's going to be a, a guy that gets you, you know, 15, 20 goals, but I think he does the little things. Maybe they don't even count on the stat sheet that can contribute to that line, whether it's being on the four check, you know, making space down low. Like I think he's going to definitely contribute to that line and help up quite a bit, not counting also his impact in the room, which I don't think you found an NHL player that has a bad thing to say about Nick Foligno, which for a Bruins team that places so much importance on team culture and guys like that, having them here, I think means a lot. Um, so I think they're going to be very solid. I, I was impressed with Nosik in the, the preseason, um, plays with pace, uh, crashed into the net like 10 times. So a lot of high danger <laughs> scoring chances with Thomas Nosik's out there. Um, I will say, like, I think the third line, um, intrigued and encouraged by because i also think even if uh you had some of the regular cast of characters back from last year i still think debris was going to be better i think just the basic regression to the mean had him bouncing back regardless but i think with Hala, um you could have a pretty uh a pretty potent line especially for a third line there fourth line i think we have to kind of see where the pieces fall into place uh again i think no sex very good but it's almost like you're replacing you know uh uh, the Corrali that you had from a few years ago, a, a great guy who can generate chances on the fourth line, but you also need a good supporting cast around him. And I think we still have to see how the Bruins fill in those holes because, um, you know, right now, obviously Curtis Lazar's hurt, which is unfortunate. And now he really kind of picked up his play down the stretch of the preseason, but, um, you're looking at Trent Frederick to start the year. Makes sense, but he needs to show a whole lot more. I think going into this preseason, we were expecting for, a guy to play the same sandpaper kind of game that we're used to seeing from Frederick, but also take the next step forward, right? You know, expand on his offense, be a little bit more assertive in the offensive zone. We've talked about it a bunch of times. Not expecting twenty goals from the guy, but you know, pot a few more goals, you know, contribute on the score sheet. And it seemed like down kind of took two steps back. I don't know if it was thinking about just being, you know, overly physical too much or, or what have you, but she needs to get back to playing his game. Um, Bruce Cassidy mentioned that. He doesn't want Frederick to go out there on every shift and be like all right who's the biggest guy to punch in the face it's about creating that kind of stuff organically of you know being involved in a puck battle you know getting into some post whistle scrums after you know fighting for a puck down low those things that lead to him being the pest that teams hate to play against as opposed to just going around chirping guys right so um we'll see how the rest of that fourth line shakes out who knows we could be looking a month into the year and whether it's a guy like Lauco, who's maybe playing well in Providence or, or what have you. There's other guys that can step into that role. So fourth line, I think, is more of a work in progress. But with Nosek down there, at least, you know, having some stability, plus that third line, is it a foregone conclusion that, you know, Howell's going to be a 40-point guy, the rest is going to score 20 goals? No. But I think you have to be encouraged with what you can get out of that group, especially considering the personnel you had the last couple of years in that spot
1: yeah again and i also think you mentioned it with frederick like that's the guy to watch i think that's kind of the you know he either puts you over the top with that fourth line or kind of makes that fourth line somewhat irrelevant um you know we know six we know no six gonna be pretty good when lazar returns you know he should be pretty good so yeah i think that fourth line again um and you mentioned lauco too that'd be very interesting to have him on that fourth line because that's a guy who could potentially be a top nine top six winger for you um down the line uh Obviously, with Frederick comes some concerns. Uh, and uh, at Paul S. Bannister on Twitter asks, what is the most concerning element of the team heading into the season? Most concerning thing. Now, Connor, I will ask you, what is the most concerning thing in your eyes? Hmm. Uh, I mean, I, ha- I have mine, but I, I want to hear yours first because I think it might be different. If you have something, if you want me to go first, I will gladly go first.
0: Uh You know what? I'm going to go with – I'm sl- slightly concerned about the defense in terms of how it, it's going to – I think it's very intriguing. I think we've talked about it before that, well, maybe uh, that left side with Fulbert and, and Gryzlik and Riley wasn't what we planned out to start the, the offseason, right? We were talking about, you know, Alexiak and Martinez and those guys or Matias Ekholm, stuff like that. Um I think there's a potential for them to be very effective, you know, especially in terms of the puck puck movement transition. Um, it's definitely not the standard kind of roster construction you see from teams in terms of building out their defense the way the Bruins are constructed. But what concerns me is that as great as they look, you know, right now to start the year, what happens when we get into the dog days of January and February and guys have banged up? I think you're an injury away from obviously McAvoy. That one's the obvious one. McAvoy's gone for a cent of time. No shit, right? But like, even, let's say, let's say Kahlo, or let's say Riley, or one of those guys. Like The depth on the the defense in terms of guys who can step in for a 10-game sample size, what have you. I think that's a concern, and just the fact that stuff can unravel pretty quickly if injuries pile up there, which it's hockey, it's 82 games. Kind of have to expect that to happen happen at some point, right?
1: Yeah, it's funny you also mentioned... Or, well, you, you mentioned the, the defense. Someone else, Christopher McKenzie on Twitter said, would you rather have Lena Olmark or Lena Van Pelt, which is Snoopy, uh, in goal
0: right wow. now? That's a valid. That's a valid uh, that, that, that is the actual Linus, right? That's how Oh yeah, Linus, said. not
1: Linus. My God.
0: I can't Very pronounce nice. that. That's a worldly version of, uh, Peanuts.
1: Yes. Uh, so that, that's another, uh, thing that people are worried about. Lena, Lena Solmark, uh, being in net, making five million a year. Uh, look, Really not good in the preseason. So that's one thing. I will say my most concerning thing this year for this team, who is the free agent at the end of this year who is older and uh, is pondering his future a little bit? And that's Patrice Bergeron. Gonna now, I'm not going to Curtis Lazar. What will Curtis Lazar do? Um, but I, there, there's, you know, he's been around for so long. He's played since 2004, or is it 03? Um, I think it was 03, right? That was his mm-hmm. first year. 03 was his first year, which is a long time now. Um, he's going to be 36. Or no, he is 36. He'll be 37 at the end of the year, I believe. Uh, you know, taking it, you know, he's going to see how he feels this year. Now, I think Bergeron's going to be fine production wise. But if he gets hurt, if he gets injured, and he's, and he's dealt with lingering things for a while, does he just say, I'm going to hang him up after the end of this year? Like, I think one of the things you have to be concerned about is you don't want him to get injured because that could impact his decision on whether or not he stays. I don't think he's going anywhere else. I think it's either retirement or, you know, a two year deal, which is what I think the Bruins would love. So, um, it's not super pressing now, but I think if he is dealing with injuries and dealing with lingering things, that's an issue because that's going to impact him coming back. And then you go into the whole idea of who the hell plays, uh, for you it, on your first line for center? Because yeah. that is a question you can't answer right now. Um So that is my biggest concern. I mean, obviously, goaltending uh, can kind of be a thing. But, you know, Connor. after I said that Bergeron stuff, there are probably a lot of Bruins fans who are a little – who are listening, who are a little stressed about it, right? Who are like, oh, man, you know, that Bergeron stuff, him leaving, that gets me a little little antsy, which I get. Yeah. A little anxious, a little anxious. I don't blame you. I, I don't blame you. So I have – a new, a new sponsor this week and a new sponsor for a while, uh, INSA, I-N-S-A. Being a hockey podcast, we bring cold hard facts about Bergeron, unfortunately. You know, we, we talk legit stuff sometimes. We're being right? very frank here. We're frank. We're open. We're honest guys, but Massachusetts premier cannabis dispensaries like INSA, I-N-S-A. We will also be cold hard facts with you about that. They're premier because the founders, Pat and Pete, re-engineered the cannabis model from what they sell to how they sell it while never forgetting it's for everyone. Insta dispensaries are inviting and modern, so come in if, if just to learn more. The staff are authorities on the science who answer every question from differences between flowers and concentrates to offerings for insomnia and anxiety or for just hanging out with friends. You can do anything in these places. It, it actually is pretty cool. Insa has a world-class head chef and only hires the most respected growers who perfected their craft when it wasn't so legit. There's another local team to root for. That's Insa. They are in Salem, East Hampton, and two Springfield locations, including just off I-91 beh- beside the MGM casino. Mention that we said to stop by for a sweet t-shirt for a penny. It's a penny. If you just say one, Evan and one Connie. cent, one cent. If you say Evan and Connor or Bruins Beat sent you to uh, INSA, you get a free – or you get a T-shirt for a penny. That's actually a pretty sweet deal. And you get to have fun. You get to relax a little bit, chill out. They have a million different things. Uh, you know, the, the 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 THC cream is a, is amazing. Pain just goes away. So uh, you can do that at INSA.com or 877-500-INSA. Uh, again, that's INSA.com or 877 500 INSA. Uh, go do that now. That would, that we highly recommend it. So, uh, yes, uh, people obviously are going to need some more INSA after. (laughs) Patrice Bergeron (laughs) leaves. Yes, absolutely. People are going to need INSA. People are going to need a lot of things if Patrice Bergeron leaves. Um, and I, and I can only imagine what we will need to read all the tweets and interactions with people. Um, that's definitely going to be very interesting. So let's get into bigger picture stuff. Um, Will Highland asks, aside from Tampa and Toronto, who's the bigger threat, Carolina, Montreal, or Florida? I think out of those three teams, it's Florida, and I don't think it's close. And I will say yeah. why, because Carolina's not in the same division. Um, and I think Carolina got worse. Frank Cervelli, we mentioned the predictions earlier. He actually put them in the cup. <laughs> I think I, yeah, I mentioned that earlier. He put them in the cup. I don't really understand that. Uh, but uh, Florida, to me, is the, the big threat out of there. By the way, just re-signed Barkov. So there goes another
0: guy who could yes. potentially replace Patrice Perser. Another reason to go to because yeah, You, have, <laughs> you already Insa. have your, you're already on fanatics.com with like the, like the jersey maker putting Barkov on a Bruins sweater. It's no, not happening. <laughs> not happening anymore. So would
1: you agree that Florida is the team out of those three that's the, the big uh, threat?
0: Yeah, no, I think they're very, very legit. Um, I think, I think obviously Carolina, you said not in the same division. I think they're still going to be good, but like, I don't know. You got rid of your, your goalie who very well could have made another run for probably the Calder because he was rookie eligible this year. You gave him away because you didn't want to pay up for him, which good job, guys. Nice um, guys. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, you lose Dougie Hamilton. You've again, talented team. I think Brendan was a fantastic coach. They got a good thing going down there, but I don't really see how they take the next big step when you make moves like that. But again, that's why I'm, I don't do the podcasting for the Carolina Hurricanes. So we'll see. I still. They'll be in the mix, but Florida looks legit, man. Like, uh, especially, I think, the biggest determinant is if Spencer Knight takes the the step forward that I think a lot of people think he will do because, let's say, he struggles and it goes to Sergey Bobrovsky who signed that dipshit deal that Florida handed him, <laughs> uh, you know, a few, summer, a few summers ago, which I can't comprehend, again, why they did that. But um, if Spencer Knight is as legit as people think he is and you look at the team around him with uh, – how deep their forward core is, Ekblad's coming back, Mackenzie Weger might be the – McKenzie Weger might have now supplanted um, Jacob Slavin as the most underrated defender in the league category, and Weger's legit, man. They've got uh, a lot of great players. Top six is great. Even guys, you know, depth scoring is, is solid. Well-coached with Quineville. They're a legit team, man. They're going to be right in the mix. Like, if if you had them, like, even being better than, you know, finishing in the Atlantic, it would not surprise me. Like, I think they – We'll see what happens when you get to the postseason. I feel like Tampa is another one that just turns it on, but Florida top to bottom looks pretty legit.
1: Yeah, I feel like that, that grouping of underrated defensemen of Slavin, Uyghur, and then Jacob Ch- Chickering from, uh, mm-hmm. Arizona. It's like those three guys are so good, but just they don't put up a billion points. So people don't really, uh, give them the attention they deserve. Another thing about Carolina, Frederick Anderson, you want to get past the Bruins, but you pick the goalie who, uh, has the toughest time getting past the Bruins of anybody in the league, so uh, enjoy that. So yeah, and I, and, and,
0: and then meanwhile, T- Toronto is solving their problems by getting Peter Mrazek, right, who does not like have great numbers. Against against the does the not have great numbers against the Bruins in the playoffs either. So
1: <laughs> just 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 making it easier and easier for the Bruins. Uh, but yeah, Florida's ridiculous. I think they're legit. Um And as you said, who knows, come playoff time, but you got to get in the playoffs. And I think with this division, it's not going to be very easy um, to do so. Reg Schofield, a longtime supporter of us, uh, asks, in the ranking of true contenders, as the Bruins are right now, what place would you say they are at? Now, this is interesting because John Lassizan's, uh model in the athletic has the Bruins, I believe, top five. Uh, I think it was fifth he had them at, yeah. which yep. I think is high. I think it's very high. Um, I would say they're between, like, seven and ten. Um, I would say set between seven and ten is where I would rank them now. Depends on how the season starts. Again, if Coil comes out buzzing and that second line looks like it did in that sec- in that last preseason game, then maybe they're top five. But for me, just at a quick glance, they're seven to ten in my book.
0: I think they're in that you know five to seven range. Man, I think like I'd rather do it like in terms of tiers. I think there's like a clear cup favorite tier. Where it's I mean Avalanche, mm-hmm. probably Tampa again, even though they lost guys, that team's still stacked. Yeah. Uh, Vegas you know, maybe put those three. Mm-hmm. And then, like, there's the Boston's, you know, Toronto. There's probably people who think Toronto might be in that other tier, but we'll see what happens. I, I really, I do like some of the moves that Toronto made, like Bunting. I think it's going to be a great pickup for them, but um, it's still Kasha Toronto. Kasha could be.
1: Kasha could yeah.
0: be. There's still Toronto, so who knows what happens, but I do like some of the moves they made. But I think Boston's in that second tier. Like, contenders, we'll see how it goes. Like, the Bruins could very well, like, it could be a, a house of cards and all comes falling apart where guys get injured or Old Mark doesn't play well or scrambling in November or the pieces could all fall into place right away. And it works out perfectly. Like Howles buzzing on that third line? Chloe looks great. Hall looks like the hall from, you know, the, the New Jersey devil days, like Swayman is, it, you know, contending for a Calder. It can go multiple different directions. So we'll see how it puts out for the Bruins. I still think they're going to be right in the mix. Like, I, I think they're, at the head of the pack in terms of that second tier, but there's teams in front of them that look pretty horrifying. I mean, dude, like Colorado, Vegas, Tampa, again, like uh, there are some stacked teams in front of them that, again, so the good thing about hockey that you can be as excited or as hyped up looking at how stacked some of these lineups are, and it doesn't mean much. I mean, people didn't think, you know, Avalanche were going to steamroll through teams to get to the, the Stanley Cup, and it was – Montreal and Tampa as we all expected right so a lot can change but I think the fact that Burns are just in that second tier falls in line with I think what most of us are expecting I don't think any of us are trying them to make miss the playoffs and I, I think there's sh- still to be optimism of how this team is like they've still got the expected production you're gonna get plus so many guys that are due for a bounce back season just based on just the regular regression metrics of the and coil and what have you so what to be excited about but favorites I don't think you can say that going into the year.
1: No, also you have the Islanders too, who are a good yeah. team and yeah. who are bringing who are running it back. So that's another team I'd probably put above that. that.
0: I, I might put them in that top tier, that top tier as well. Cause that team. They're due. Yeah. They, they, and every time they need not be the flashiest lineup, analytics don't always like favor them as much, but every year they put together a great run. They've got really balanced team and they got, you know, even just having Anders Lee back and healthy is huge for that team huge
1: uh so yeah i i would put them there i'm very interested in what the metro ends up being like like are the flyers gonna be good like you know what's the penguins gonna be like without crosby for a while the capitals too like are they too old now so that's I, the metro i'm very interested in i think that division could either suck or be pretty good uh but yeah i I'd still put the bruins that seven to ten category um a little skeptical of losing crechey and rask so we'll see we will see uh juso uh Ka- Kakinen, Juso Kakinen. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. If I'm not, um, uh, my apologies. He asked, "Which player surprised you positively during the preseason?" Uh, Connor, what would be your pick for the uh, player that surprised you the most?
0: Uh, I would say Halla. I think he was a guy that going into it, we expected he wasn't going to be the guy that he was that first year in Vegas for what he had—almost 30 goals. Like, and I, I still think that you're not going to get that, right? Like, you're not going to get that Eric Halla, <laughs> but. The way he plays out, uh, you know, the pace that he, he dictates on that line, um, crafty player. We saw that off of that bank pass led to that poster on goal. Um, good two way player. Uh, he's been what we expected, if not maybe more in terms of just how active he is and how much of a, a jump he brings to that third line. So is he going to be a 30 goal scorer? No, but could he be uh, a, a third line, you know, key cog that gets you 40 points? I think so. And as much as maybe 40 points isn't going to, you know, shake the foundations or like this this crazy, you know, breakthrough season, 40 points in that third line, considering where it was a year ago, would be huge for this team.
1: Yeah, and that's it goes along with what I've been saying the whole time. Like, you're not going to replace the points with, you know, with coil directly that you lost with Krejci, but you'll make up for it with more points from the third and fourth lines. Um I'll go easy on this one. I think stanica you know, again, you, you wanted sneak to have a good preseason. He had the best preseason he could possibly have, I think. Um, there just isn't a spot for him in the lineup that like, but again, it wasn't like he didn't get a spot in the lineup because he was bad. He, he was as good as can be. He's the best player in the preseason probably for them. Um, but at the end of the day, there just wasn't a spot for him in the lineup, at least yet. We'll see what happens with injuries and such. Another one, obviously, Swayman. Swayman was ridiculous yes. um, in the preseason and that's what you wanted to see out of him. Like you want you want to be like okay, this wasn't a flash in the pan last year. This guy's actually good. Um and that's what they got. We'll end with a question from the Hellhammer. A Hellhammer on Twitter asks if you and Connor had to marry a Bruins player for life. No divorces. Who would it be and why? Now we are not going to answer the question. Oh, yeah, Greg, okay, <laughs> Greg Zanin. Brett That's my, that was my submission. <laughs> Greg Zanon, you took mine right out of my mouth. Uh, Derek Morris, no, uh, <laughs> if, if we will not answer from that perspective, we will instead do a more relatable one as of if we had daughters, who would we want them to? Um, to marry on the Bruins who would we want the, the the Bruin that they would marry to be and I think the obvious answer is Patrice Bergeron right yeah like, that's, that's pretty, what I was gonna say dude uh, <laughs> damn that's my answer so Bergeron's the obvious one for like every reason imaginable he's a great guy and like he, he's a great guy like I, I I think that's easy to tell another one to be like Brandon Carlo I feel like Brandon Carlo's a really good dude great guy I'd you know have no problem with my my daughter marrying him. Seems like a good family man. The picture of him in the north end with the, the baby carriage. He seems like a good guy. So do you have any others that pop off the page of guys you love your daughters with?
0: Yeah, I already said you, Greg Xannon. Yeah. <laughs> Max sort of my Greg Zanin. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Greg Xannon, there it is. I've been saying it all along.
1: <laughs> this is your chance to finally say it. You finally get to put that out there. Um <laughs> and for the people still listening day um <laughs> yeah. what a question to end on anyways uh that is the season preview episode for Bruins Beat um so that is everything we answered all your questions we'll do these more during the year um we were thinking we were saying this last year of doing like live Q&A's uh and we never got around to it but I think that'd be interesting this year if we did uh ones through YouTube and stuff so we'll probably end up doing that if, if you guys want them let us know um and, yeah, that's the season preview episode. So season starts Saturday. Connor, uh, what can the people look forward to over at Boston Sports Journal?
0: Yeah, we're going to uh, be ramping up all of our preview content. So we already dropped a uh, an NHL notebook this past weekend doing predictions for the season across the NHL. We'll do, obviously, a Bruins predictions, which we'll talk about uh, later this week on uh, Poke the Bear. But over at BSA, we'll have predictions. We'll have uh, previews. Uh, lineup uh, projections, all that good stuff over at BSJ. So subscribe at bostotsportsjournal.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93.
1: Go do all that. And for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinofsky You Bruins beat listeners. Have a great rest. Have your week.